You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs, welcome to episode 43 of The Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. She just doesn't go away. Nope. I live here. You realize it's been two and a half years. Yes. Yeah. And and you still won't go away. You, like, live in the studio now. Yes. Stop it. But I'm hungry. Okay, fine. Go get some food. Cheese? Go get some cheese. Yay! While she's getting cheese... Uh, I'm going to be giving you our Stoke the Fire stories for this episode. These are for prompt number nine. You wake up alone at night with bite marks on your legs. What's eating you? Do we have cheddar? Check in the back. Okay. Here's the stories. Bon appetit. No Such Thing as Lollywogs by Austin Malone. Do you like chocolate? Well, they do too. It sweetens the blood of greedy little hogs. Eat candy at bedtime and they'll come for you. You can't hide from the lollywogs. Scotty glared at his dad. Nice try, Dad. There's no such thing as lollywogs. Scotty's dad had been reciting that tired old poem every Halloween for as long as Scotty could remember. It scared him when he was little, sure, but he was eleven and a half now. Besides, Scotty said, holding up the candy from his plastic jack-o'-lantern bucket, it's one Tootsie Roll. Eating one Tootsie Roll doesn't make me a greedy little hog. His dad shrugged. Suit yourself. Don't blame me when you wake up covered in lollywog bites. Scotty snorted and started twisting the wrapper open. One thing, though, his dad said, reaching out to halt Scotty's progress. I want you to be able to make informed decisions. Why not hold off for one night? Do some investigating. What do you mean? I mean, you're not the only kid potentially scarfing down candy tonight. The lollywogs will be out in swarms after sunset, gorging themselves on the blood of your classmates. What I want you to do is look for the bites tomorrow. If you see them, then maybe I'm not pulling your leg after all. If you don't, then I'm full of it, and you can stuff your face whole with as much candy as you want. Deal? Scotty looked down at the Tootsie Roll, then at the candy bucket. As much candy as I want? His dad smirked. Did I stutter? Okay, Scotty said, returning the Tootsie Roll to the bucket. Deal. But what do lollywog bites look like? Oh, they're very distinctive. The lollywog's mouth is circular, and it's lined with a row of needle-sharp teeth. Look for tiny bite marks arranged in a perfect circle. Scotty rolled his eyes. Okay, Dad, sure. Bite marks in a circle. His dad just smiled and Scotty shot him one final eye roll before heading upstairs to shuck off his Halloween costume and get ready for bed. Instead of counting sheep, Scotty drifted off to sleep, counting the different kinds of candy he'd be eating tomorrow night. At school the next day, Scotty was dismayed to see the other children sporting the bite marks his dad described. They were everywhere. His best friend Paul noticed him staring at the circle of pinpricks on his arm. Ringworm, Paul said. In homeroom, a kid across the aisle had a crescent of welts arcing above his sock. Ants, he said. And Julie, the girl who sat in front of him, had a neat little circle of bites on her shoulder. When he asked her about it at lunch, 
She said it must be from her new kitten. She'd been training him to sit on her shoulder, a plan he clearly wanted no part of. Later after dinner, he reported his findings to his dad, placing extra emphasis on the mundane explanations his friends had offered. Now, Scotty said, my candy, if you please. His dad reached for the bucket, but hesitated. I'm guessing you didn't notice the eggs then? Oh, come on! The joke had gone far enough, but Scotty couldn't resist asking, What eggs? Well, they're larvae, really, he responded, easing his hand back from the candy bucket and steepling his fingers. See, the lollywog lays its eggs when it bites. The blood nourishes the eggs. Like mosquitoes? Exactly. Unlike mosquitoes, though, lollywogs mature super fast. You'll usually see the larvae wiggling out of the bites within a day or two. What you want to look for is a spot of white, like a grain of rice or a sesame seed. It squeezes up to the surface of the bite, pops free, and disappears. What do you mean it disappears? Well, you know how chameleons blend in with their surroundings? Scotty nodded. Lollywogs do too, but they're a thousand times better at it. They're effectively invisible. Just about the only way to catch a glimpse of one is to hit it with a bright light. You'll have maybe a second to get a look at it before its camouflage adjusts. Scotty looked longingly at his candy bucket. His dad followed his gaze. Just give it one more day, kiddo. Look for the eggs. If I'm wrong, I know. Scotty sighed. I really don't like you right now, Dad. He trudged upstairs to the sound of his father's laughter. The next day, Scotty saw an egg. He'd been sneaking glances at Julie's shoulder all morning. Then just before lunch, he spotted it. A tiny white dot, just like his dad said, rose to the surface of a bite. It peeked out, wobbled a second, then disappeared. The bell rang moments later, and Scotty joined his classmates as they headed for the cafeteria, revulsion squirming in his gut. His appetite wasn't improved by the gloppy mess he received on his lunch tray, and he was half-heartedly poking at his beefaroni sludge when Paul arrived. His best friend grinned down at him, but his face fell when he saw Scotty's expression. What's wrong? Scotty told him, and Paul slapped him on the back of his head. Ow! What the hell? Dude, seriously, Paul said. Again with this baloney? Every year, I've got to hear you bitch about freaking lollywogs like a whiny little scaredy cat. There's no such thing as lollywogs. It's just something your dad made up to keep you from sneaking candy. He's messing with your mind, man, and it's not cool. Scotty shrugged, unconvinced. I guess. You guess? I tell you what. Tonight, we're going to prove there's no such thing as lollywogs. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Paul's grin returned. My parents left town for their anniversary. My stupid sister's supposed to be watching me, but she'll be shut up in her room with her boyfriend. You're going to spend the night, and we're going to watch scary movies and eat candy for dinner. Then, we're going to eat candy for dessert. And candy for a midnight snack. In fact, we're going to eat so much candy that we'll poop candy. And then, we'll eat the poop candy. Despite himself, Scotty laughed. Okay. Glad you're on board, Paul said, slapping Scotty's back. See you tonight. Scotty's dad had no problem with Scotty spending the night at Paul's. Paul lived down the street, and the boys had been spending the night at each other's houses since first grade. When Scotty grabbed his Halloween bucket on the way out, though, 
His dad frowned and made him wait while he ran to the garage. He returned holding a heavy-duty flashlight as long as Scotty's arm. Just humor me, kid, he said, handing Scotty the flashlight. The flashlight doubles as a club. Spot him, then swat him. Scotty sighed but accepted the flashlight. Whatever, Dad. There's no such thing as lollywogs. The next few hours went exactly as Paul planned. His sister, Aaliyah, was nowhere to be seen, and the two boys piled blankets onto the sofa in front of the TV. They ate candy as they kicked off the night with a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Then they ate more candy while watching Poltergeist. Scotty, feeling queasy after the second movie, abstained from a third candy-eating round as Paul loaded the ring into the player. Somewhere around the halfway point, Scotty nodded off. He woke later to the sound of Paul's snores and a crawling sensation on his leg. Half asleep, he brushed at the spot with his fingernails, and his fingers bumped against a spongy, wriggling... something. Stifling a yell, he threw the blankets off. Squinting down at his leg in the dim light, he could make out a faint circle. A feather-light tickle skittered along his upper arm, and he slapped his hand against the spot. An audible pop accompanied the sound of the slap, and his hand, when he pulled it away, was wet with blood. Whimpering, he fumbled for the flashlight, becoming increasingly aware of every tickle, twitch, and itch along his body. His legs were the worst, his back running a close second. His hands closed around the flashlight's handle. He yanked it out from under the blankets, trained it on his legs, and switched it on. They were everywhere. Pale, wriggling lumps the size and thickness of his thumb crawled up his body. One even raised its head and hissed into the sudden beam of light, droplets of blood dripping from its needle teeth, before disappearing. Scotty screamed, bringing the flashlight down upon his legs, bashing indiscriminately where he thought the lollywogs might be. Within seconds, the flashlight, his legs, and his hands were speckled with blood. Was it? Paul, roused by Scotty's screams, started to sit up, scratching idly at his cheek. A red smear formed under his fingers. What? What's happening? Scotty responded by pointing the flashlight at Paul's abdomen and switching it on. Paul glanced down, saw a lollywog slithering under the hem of his shirt, and shrieked as he punched himself in the stomach. Thudding footsteps sounded on the stairs as Paul's sister descended. She stopped at the bottom, fumbling for the light switch. What the hell is wrong with you two idiots? She flicked the switch. Scotty didn't know if she saw the same thing he did in the first second after the harsh white light flooded the room. The lollywogs covered the floor like an undulating, fleshy carpet. They crawled along the walls, the windows, every one of them, and there had to be hundreds, humped with single-minded purpose toward the sofa where Scotty and Paul howled and thrashed. Maybe Aaliyah saw them too. Maybe it was just the sight of her brother and his best friend shrieking and covered in blood. Either way, her voice joined the cacophony of screams. They screamed. And the lollywogs feasted. Me, It's What's for Dinner by A.F. Grappen The dream faded seconds after I woke up. Straining my memory, I had vague recollections of Candy, maybe? Why is it you can always remember the details of nightmares, but not of satisfying dreams? It was still dark out. There had to be at least half an hour before I had to get up. 
Plenty of time to snuggle back under the covers and enjoy unconsciousness. Probably the only thing worse than not remembering awesome dreams is not being able to fall asleep when you need to. How can a bed be unbelievably comfortable when you wake up, but when it's bedtime it feels like a slab of concrete, or your mind won't shut off, or you suddenly get ridiculously itchy? I scratched my ankle, then the other one, then my calves, my left knee, behind my left knee, and both thighs. At that point, I had to work my way down to my ankles again. Unbelievably itchy fire trailed behind and roved ahead of my fingers. I couldn't quench it. The moment I left a place, it was itchy again. It was at least a hundred times worse than that. In fact, I'll go out on a limb and say it's probably 692, no, 693 times worse. Was this what woke me from the paradise I couldn't remember? It was making me feel sick to my stomach. I had to stop scratching. But it itched so bad. Cold water. That would help. I rolled out of bed and trod to the bathroom. The light blinded me, but not so much that I couldn't find the bathtub and turn on the tap to cold. Sticking my feet under, I splashed water up my fiery legs. It was instant relief, cooling my skin so I could breathe again. That was when I opened my eyes. My legs were a mess. My fingernails had marred my skin with red furrows. There were little puncture-type imprints all over me, like when you've had a watch on too long and the band leaves marks. They looked like teeth marks. The shape of the mouth was clear now that I was looking for it. Tiny ovals of teeth all over my legs. And one of the marks in particular, centered perfectly on my right ankle, looked like it had drawn a tiny bit of blood. And it was probably infected. My sweat ran cold. Something was in my bed. Something had gotten under the covers and started gnawing on me. Or was it trying to eat me? Was it still there? I needed a weapon. Something I could swing quickly. Things that small tended to be quick, like rodents or insects. I would have to be faster. One glance around the bathroom told me I didn't have a lot of options. Towels and washcloths wouldn't do much, and there wasn't enough heft to my shampoo bottle since it had been empty for a week and I still hadn't replaced it with a new one. I sure regretted it now. The toilet brush was definitely a gross option for a weapon, but I doubted it would be very effective. Chances had it whatever critter had nommed on me wasn't a germaphobe. That left me with the plunger. Also germy, but heavier. And toilet paper. So I wrapped my hand around the wooden handle of the plunger and carried it like a baseball bat as I crept back to my bedroom. At least when I turned the light on this time, it wasn't blinding. My eyes had already adjusted. Nothing skittered under my sheets that I could see. No cockroaches or anything hurrying out of the illumination. Swallowing, I stepped closer to the bed. Then closer again. One trembling hand reached out for the blankets, ready to toss them back and reveal my concealed attacker. Was it bugs? Rodents? What creature, or swarm of creatures, I thought with a gulp, had secreted itself into all those cheap sheets just to try and eat me? My legs itched again. I could scratch later. Destroy the source first. Scream like a sissy about it if I had to. Then scratching. 
So much scratching. Sheets first. My fingertips brushed the cloth, caught hold, gripped. I held my breath and tossed the sheet back, freeing the whole mattress from its knockoff Egyptian cotton embrace. Son of a... Smidget! The miniature teacup dragon lifted her head and looked at me with wide, crimson eyes. She was curled up on the mattress, wheezing from the respiratory issue common to dragon's bread her size. Little thing wouldn't get much bigger than a loaf of bread, tail included, and that only if she was lucky. She huffed out a poof of wispy smoke, yawned, and stretched. Don't give me the cute eyes. You are not getting a treat. Did you do this? I gestured with the plunger at my gnawed-on legs. Smidget, this hurts. Do I have to keep reminding you I'm allergic to dragon saliva? She stood, tromped in a circle, and curled back up, wrapping her tail around her nose. Grumbling, I took the plunger back to the bathroom, gave my legs another rinse in cold water to quell the resurgence of itching, and headed to the kitchen for some antihistamines. By the time I got back to my room, Smidget was fast asleep again, wheezing so loudly I knew I'd never get back to sleep in there. Plus, if she was sleep-chewing, it would only make my legs worse. I dragged a blanket and pillow to the couch instead. No, don't get a cat, they said. I muttered to myself as I tucked into my uncomfortable new sleeping place. Dragons are the new rage in house pets. Yeah, well, I'm not allergic to cats, and a cat wouldn't try to eat me. I scratched my ankle one last time before trying to get back to sleep again. I love cheese. I'm not hungry anymore. Oh, well, you shouldn't be hungry for words anymore, either. I see what you did there. Did you really see it, or did you hear it? Um, yes. Good job. Well, I read stories and see, and then also hear, so, yes. You know what other things you could hear right now? Um, more words. Yeah, words about... Other people, other people! And, and things. And things. Okay. Other people and their things. Yes, other people and things. So here's a promo. Hey. What are you doing for Memorial Day weekend this year? I've got the best working vacation planned ever. I'll be sitting on a panel talking about social media promotion. I am hanging out with my friends from all over the country and even across the globe. I'm hitting up several of the writing panels, anything that involves superpowers, but also that gritty sci-fi thriller vibe. I am going to be hanging out with the largest collection of podcasters in America. I'm probably going to kill someone. Sigler! No, bad author, bad. I am spreading myself far too thin and going on both a podcasting track and the literary track. So where am I spending this amazing weekend? At Balticon. I'm going to 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 Balticon. Shouldn't you be going too? That's Balticon, the Maryland Regional Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention, held Memorial Day weekend each year. For more information, go to Balticon.org. And we're back. Oh, my. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I know, right? I love hearing things about other people. Well, that wasn't necessarily about a people so much as it was an event. Yeah, but 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 the event has people. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, can you guess what's coming up? 
Um, roses. Everything's coming up roses. That would be lovely. Alas, no. Oh. No. But it is one of our favorite segments. Which one? I have a lot of favorites. Well, start naming them. Uh, Mystery Meal. There you go. Well, first try. Well, I like it. Yay, here's a Mystery Meal. Enjoy. <laughs> no reading ahead. I know. Yay. Guys. We have something to solve. Is I know it? something that'll never be solved. Me? Yep. Well, this is a mystery. And that's a cat. <laughs> that's not getting edited out because we don't do that for mystery meals. <sighs> so that's what you handed me. Hey, Aaron, how do these work? Well, we don't edit them for one thing. That's one thing. They're Mad Libs. Of iconic scenes from classic literature. So we take excerpts from, you know, classic literature and substitute words. You guys help on our Facebook and Twitter feeds. And then we make Thea read them. Making Thea read them is my favorite part. Yeah, I like it very much. Theo, what is our selection today? Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Oh my. Have at it. Shall be having. Have it at. Have it at. <laughs> have it at. Have it a habit. Bounce your noise, cried a terrible voice, as a bulldozer started up from among the graves at the side of the church porch. <laughs> Keep still, you little trout. Or I'll cut your kneecap. Ow! A fearful man, an all-coarse periwinkle, <laughs> the great iron on his leg. A man with no pantaloons, <laughs> and with imbecilic shoes, and with an old shrubbery tied round his head. A man who had been soaked in green ooze, and smothered in mud, and lamed by stones and cut by flints, and stung by nettles, and torn by briars, who crapped and slept, <laughs> and glared and growled, and whose back chattered in his head as he seized me by the chin. Um. Oh, don't berate my throat, sir, I pleaded in terror. Pray don't do it, sir. Tell us your name, said the man. Quick, Bob, sir. Once more, said the man, staring at me. Give it mouth. August! Leroy Jenkins, sir! <laughs> I... I... <laughs> Show us where you live, said the man. Pint out the place. I pointed to where our village lay, on the flat inshore among the alder trees and pollards, a mile or so from the church. The man, after fetching at me for a moment, <laughs> turned me upside down and burned my pockets. There was nothing in them but a piece of kumquat. Um, I, th that's just good. Um, okay. When the church came to itself, for he was so sodden, oh, so sudden and strong that he made it go ahead, oh, go head over heels before me, and I saw the steeple under my feet. When the church came to itself, I say, I was seated on a high tombstone. 
trembling while he ate the bread tentatively. <laughs> you unqualified dog, said the man, licking his tailbones. What fat cheeks have you got? I believe they were corrupt, though I was at the time undersized for my years and not alive. <laughs> Darn me if I couldn't eat him, said the man, with a threatening shake of his spleen. And if I hadn't half a mind to it, I lazily expressed my hope that he wouldn't. And held. <laughs> It's like when you ask people not to do things, Gus. Oh. Yeah. And held tighter to the tombstone on which he had put me, partly to keep myself upon it, partly to keep myself from adulting. <laughs> <laughs> now looky here, said the man. Where's your mother? <laughs> there, sir, said I. He started, made a short run, and stopped and looked over his shoulder. There, sir, I slinkily explained. Also, Georgiana, that's my mother. Oh, said he, coming back, and is that your father, a longer your mother? Yes, sir, said I, him too, late of this parish. Ah, he organized then, considering. Who do you live with, supposing you're kindly let to live, which I hadn't made up my mind about? My sister, sir. Mrs. The Harlem Grove Tr Globe Trotters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wife of the Harlem Globe Trotters. They have one wife. The neonatologist, sir. <laughs> well, with just one wife, I imagine they'd need one. Uh. Blacksmith, eh? He said he. <laughs> and looked down at his leg. After I, think, I think he's hearing what he wants to hear. Yeah, just a bit. Considering he turned a kumquat into bread, I'm pretty sure he's set on his own thing. <laughs> After darkly looking at his leg and me several times, he came closer to my tombstone, took me by both retinas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And tilted me back as far as he could hold me, so that his, his eyes looked most powerfully down into mine, and mine looked most fetchingly into his. Well. <laughs> now looky here, he said, the question being whether you're to be let, li let to live. You know what a file is. Yes, sir. And you know what shot put is. <laughs> yes, sir. After each question, he tilted me over a little more, so oh. as to give me a greater sense of helplessness and danger. Uh-huh. You That's get... what she said. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you get me a file, he pierced me again. <laughs> and you get me whittles, he glowered me again. Mm -hmm. You bring them both to me, he pounced me again. Mm -hmm. Or I'll have your medulla oblongata and liver out. He tilted Ow. me again. But I need those to live. <laughs> I was dreadfully delicious. <laughs> and so giddy that I clung to him with both hands and said, If you would kindly please to let me keep upright, sir, perhaps I shouldn't be rotten, and perhaps I could attend more. 
<laughs> wow. The end. <laughs> he doesn't know what his name is. Boy, he just could not figure out what his name was, could he? He liked making up new ones. What's wrong with that? Leroy Jenkins. Oh my god, he just ran in. Speaking of running into places, guess what we'll be running in just shy of three months? I'll give you a hint. We just did a promo for it. Cheese? No. The pantry. Balticon. Disney World! Wait, what? Balticon. Yay, I love Balticon. Then you should have guessed it first. Well, I didn't love it most. Oh, you love cheese most. Cheese. You love cheese more than Disney World? I can have cheese every day. So, yes. But yes, we will both be at Balticon 51 Memorial Day weekend in Baltimore, Maryland. So you can come see us. We will be in the dealer's room. We will also be panelists. <laughs> officially for the first time. I know, right? Yeah, this is this is going to be a little weird. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we will be in the dealer room. I'll have copies of my latest book, Star Signs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my chain mail. And we'll be sharing the table with a bunch of amazing authors. Uh, John Walker. Johnny. Charlie Brown. Charlie. Uh, Terry Mixon. Terry. And, and uh, Chris Lester and a couple others. So it's... Chris Lester and a couple others! Yeah, woo! <laughs> so, seriously, come by the table. Um, come see us on panels. We will be around with the microphone. So mm-hmm. we'll be recording panels, getting interviews. Might grab you for a quick bump or something like that. Yeah, because we ran out of, of new bumpers this year. It's been a while. That's sad. So we need more. Yeah. We need more stuff. Yeah, we need content, input. We need your ideas for Stoke the Fire prompts. Yeah. Or mystery meal scenes or, you know, segment ideas or just stuff. As always, we need stuff. You should send us stuff. All the stuff. And you should come to Balticon and tell us stuff. And you should also tell iTunes stuff. Like... 50 stars. Divide that by 10. 50 stars. Divide that also by 10. 50 stars. Okay, Aaron can't math. You knew that. Yeah, so, but yeah, go find us on iTunes, give us a rating and potentially a review. That really helps us out. Like a lot. Yeah. Like what? Very, very much. Like, like seriously. So much. Seriously. Do the thing. Seriously. Yeah. The thing. Other things you can do if you want to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash afgrappin and back us financially. It helps us build the show. It lets us compensate voice actors, writers, helps us upgrade our sound equipment, which we desperately need. Of course, always. Yeah. Um, but it just, it really helps out, you know, because it's, it's not cheap to run a podcast, believe it or not. There's a lot of hosting stuff. Dollars. Dollars. Dollars are involved. But yeah, in return, you get all kinds of awesome swag. You get one bonus episode a year. You get um, physical swag, like uh, bumper stickers, buttons, potentially t-shirts. You get physical, physical swag. Oh, there's... Swag. Okay, I was about to say, there's not a, there's not a tier for getting us physically. Um, no, I'm already claimed. I'm not, but no, I'm not for sale. There's it's, an idea. But we already have a shop. One Gus. Gus for sale. No. Only four dollars. How much is that AF in the window? Boop, boop. 
But stuff that actually is for sale, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash themeltingpodcast, and there you can actually just buy swag, like... Aprons! Aprons, coffee mugs, t-shirts. Pens. I don't know if there are pens there yet. There should be but I pens. Can, I'll see about that. I had an idea! She, see, ideas are good. You should send us some. Just some? Ideas. Or they could just send us all the stuff. All the ideas. All the stuff. Send us stuff! How much stuff? All the stuff! And what will we do with it? We'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast or you could email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com the Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff! <laughs>